0: What I'm going to be talking about at the conference is how to really integrate a lot of this automation and stuff, not to replace that personal touch. Because right. my personal belief is that with where we're going with technology, where we're going with AI, the art of personal connection is going to be lost. Because mm. people online, they're not going to know if it's an AI video of you and me doing this podcast, if it's totally. even our voices doing it. Right. So this this is my thoughts that... A lot of business is going to start swinging the other way, meaning people are going to want to meet in person, shake yep. hands, do it the old school way. Now, with that being said, I still
1: think there's a time and place for all this technology. Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment to personally invite you to join me March 2024 right here in beautiful Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I'm gonna be speaking at the Conscious Investor Growth Summit. It is going to be an awesome event and I have the honor of speaking alongside over 20 speakers on health, wealth, and mindset. This event is surely gonna be pivotal for not only your year, but also your life. It would mean the world to me to connect with you. So make sure that you grab your ticket today at Conscious Investor growthsummit.com. And if you use my name, E-R-I-K, you're going to get 50% off at checkout. I hope to see you there. Keep changing the world. Dallin, you're a husband, you're a dad, you're the president and co-founder of Rev Real Estate, Rev Equity Group, and so much more. We're going to be speaking together at the Conscious Investor Growth Summit in Coeur March 7th through the 10th. So pumped to meet you in person, dude. Thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. Yeah,
0: definitely, definitely looking forward to this, Eric. And and I'm glad you reached out, man. So
1: Yeah. Dude, so excited, man. So excited. I, I like to kick my show off by going back a bit. Like where did you grow up and, and what was childhood like for you?
0: Uh so I grew up in, in upstate New York. Uh when I tell people New York, they they think of the city. But uh, yeah. I, I think I need to make a, a public service announcement here. New York City is minimal compared to the size of the rest of the state of New York. So grew <laughs> totally. up in the country. Um <laughs> nice. Graduated with 87 kids in my high school and my senior class. Uh, Grew up on 100 acres of land with all the family on my dad's side. So my cousins, aunts, uncles, it was was a blast. So had a lot of fun and uh, grew up actually around real estate. My grandfather owned quite a bit of apartment buildings and my father managed them. But I was doing all the dirty work. And so my, okay. <laughs> my view of real estate was skewed. I was like, if this is real estate, this sucks and I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. So, uh, but it was great. It taught me, taught me uh good work ethic and some basic handyman skills, if you will, uh, just around, uh, just real estate and projects. Um, uh, but very normal, typical childhood. Yeah. You know? yeah. Nothing, nothing too extreme.
1: Yeah. Oh, nice, man. Well, uh, you know, growing up on a hundred acres—I mean, that's that's amazing, dude—and that's like my dream, right? To have the hundred acres. I grew up and had five acres as a kid, and it was just a blast, man. So much fun. Going on, you know, living off the property. Like, what was some of those big memories? Those those favorite memories of you living on that much property?
0: Oh gosh. Uh, so I had I had two cousins my age, and we we did everything together. Tyler nice. and Cody were their names, yeah. and uh, we we grew up on quads. We had four wheelers, and when you have a hundred acres of land, you just. <laughs> we would just right? we, we'd we blaze trails and we uh i live in arizona now everybody here has a pool okay back in new york hardly anyone has a pool we all have ponds we dig right. out ponds and so just <laughs> just swimming and and riding quads and, and snowmobiling during the winter pulling tube sleds we i mean we found anything we could to just entertain ourselves and we were where we were at there a lot of rolling hills Nice. i remember specifically my uncle found this janky metal frame downhill goat car. I don't even know where he got it from. (laughs) And we, we didn't, we couldn't find any rope to tow it with behind the four wheeler. So we found a, a spool of electrical wire that was sitting in my uncle's garage. And we just like Jimmy rigged this toe strap to this goat cart to the four wheeler. And we were just ripping through the fields, with that thing, <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh man, oh, that is awesome. a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Yeah. And definitely as a kid took it for granted. And now that yeah. I'm older and I have kids of my own and we live in the city, I'm like, man, I want acreage, man. Yeah. I
1: want to, I want to get out. So uh, I told my wife and kids that look here, the next move that we make, if I can't pee off my front porch, my neighbors are too close. <laughs> Right. Like that, that's uh, the, that's the next goal for me though. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, you go from ER nurse to real estate investing. That's, that's quite a big jump and I'm sure you had a lot of folks saying don't do that. That's, you know, you don't want to do that. Like why did you decide to to buy that initial fourplex and get into real estate investing?
0: Yeah. So, uh, as I mentioned, I grew up around real estate. I grew right. up around apartments, multifamily, and I always liked the idea of it, but I didn't want to be in the grind of it. Yeah. And, uh, and part of that was because of the stuff I was stuck doing on clogging toilets, changing sink drains, shingling, doing all that stuff. So yeah, I always have had a desire to, to serve people. And mm. so naturally the medical field attracted me to it and I had heat in the winter and had air conditioning in the summer. <laughs> so I thought it was going to be a pretty sweet gig and I wanted yeah. to specialize. I wanted to get in, I wanted to specialize. I wanted to be a nurse anesthetist, make a few mm-hmm. hundred thousand a year and then start buying some of my own real estate when gotcha. I was in my 40s 50s like that was my vision but a few months into that career a couple things happened mm-hmm. one i realized this isn't what i thought it would mm-hmm. be and and this uh this idea of all the service and doing good it's just Drowned underneath the bureaucracy of working in hospitals. Like mm. most hospitals, a lot of hospitals are nonprofits. They're ran just like any other corporation, and it's just sure. a lot of inefficiencies. Yeah, and uh, so that happened pretty early on. But the 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 catalyst, if you will, was a, a unfortunate accident. I got into playing soccer. I actually broke my tibia, which is the shin bone. Oh, and that's that's your weight-bearing bone. So you got yeah. two running down your legs, your tibia is your shin bone, that's the biggest one to break in the lower part of your leg. And uh and I remember sitting in the emergency room that I worked at while my friends were were taking care of me, my coworkers. Oh no. And just feeling scared, trapped, uh lost almost um because my wife and two kids depending on me financially and you can't work in an emergency room with a broken leg. Right. When you're, when you're running through traumas and codes and running back and forth from patients on, on crazy times, you just couldn't do it. So that, uh, that really scared the hell out of me financially. Mm -hmm. And just like, what am I doing? Like if I want to get into, like, if this happens again, what am I going to do? How am I going to provide for my family? So that really got the gears. I got that, that got the gears turning for me. And since I was couch ridden, I couldn't do anything with a broken leg. I started listening to podcasts. I started reading books. I said, I've got nothing else to do. Why don't I just start learning about yeah. real estate? So got into some podcasts the first podcast I ever listened to around real estate, it was called the real estate guys radio. Okay. And, uh, And started listening to them and and they kept talking about this purple book, this Robert Kiyosaki (laughs) guy, anyone in real estate, a lot of people in uh, entrepreneurship are familiar with Robert Kiyosaki. So I decided to pick up the book. So best, best $7 I've ever spent in my entire life. Right. I'm not a reader. (laughs) The only time I read was for books that were required for school Mm. or education. Nice. That was it. So this was probably the first book I've picked up in a long time to read for leisure for myself. Sure. And something flipped in my brain. Mm. And two weeks after reading that book, we bought our first fourplex without any of our own money. And that's when I realized that the only limitations I had in getting into real estate later on in life, those were self-imposed. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to wait until I was making a few hundred thousand a year. Yeah. I didn't have to wait till my 40s, 50s, 60s to get into real estate. And so it really opened up my mind to what truly is possible.
1: Hey, this is a quick shout-out from one of our awesome sponsors. Check this out. Thank you to Tracy down at Tranquil Turn Massage in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Look, my wife and I, we see Tracy and her team every single month for a couples massage, and it is the best thing. Tracy is a master massage specialist and a Hanu Ashiatsu trainer. You need to reach out to Tracy and her team. Make sure that you tell them that I sent you, and you'll get 25 bucks off your next massage. Also, while you're there, check out CDA Brows Body and Ink. Make sure to tell Tracy that I sent you, and you'll save 100 bucks on your next tattoo brows and plasma Attending services, man, huge. And you you talked about it briefly there, but like, I mean, you you buying property with OPM or other people's money. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people folks out there that don't understand this. They don't know about this. How does that work? And what challenges are you running into when you're doing that?
0: Yeah. So that was the 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 first two deals we bought were the only, just full disclosure were the only deals that we bought with 100 percent other people's money. Every sure. other deal we started putting our stuff into yeah uh, our own capital into but um, to be honest i didn't know what i didn't know like the opportunity yeah. just kind of presented itself we uh, we got into that deal the owner owned it outright and uh and he talked about a uh, doing a seller carry back it was like great what's a seller carry back i had no idea <laughs> what it was and for those listening that may not be as familiar it's when the the owner will basically loan you the money. So rather than getting a, a mortgage or a loan from a bank, you're paying that owner interest on a certain amount Yeah, of the property. So, so he did that. And, uh, we only had to bring, I think it was like 25 K to the table, which we didn't have. So I, I had a family member that was in real estate. My grandfather, actually, I mentioned him at the start of the show. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, "Hey, here's this opportunity. Here's what the numbers look like." He's like, "Great, let's uh, let's work out a deal." So he actually loaned us the money, and so we were 100% leveraged. And I would nice. not, I would not recommend that to anyone getting into <laughs> real estate. Like one little thing goes wrong, and and you're up a creek. Yeah. So uh, so that's just kind of how it worked out, and I just figured it out as I went, and I didn't know that that's not typical. Mm. Like it happened so quick, I was like, yeah, it gave me a false sense of how real estate can really go to be honest. Yeah. But I think that's what I needed to, to create that, that catalyst, that, mm-hmm. that movement in transitioning out of the medical field and into real estate full time. And it didn't happen right away. It took about a year and a half after that first
1: deal. Gotcha. Before I jumped in. Man. <laughs> I love that dude. Um, That's cool that your grandpa was willing to, to, you know, leverage or, or give you guys some money on that too, man. That's, that's awesome one of the things I noticed when I was looking at your website and look what you got going on is, it's it's really important to, to build that dream team. Like for you, like, how do you identify top talent? What things are you looking in folks uh, looking for in folks when you're like trying to attract them to your team?
0: I heard this quote a while back and, and I, I agree with it. And it's this person was saying that they hire for attitude, not for experience. Mm. And I mean, with a small caveat, like, you have to have people that know what they're doing. Right. Like that's, that's pretty obvious, (laughs) but, but if you, if I have somebody with a great attitude, they embrace the vision, they see and know where we're going and they want to be a part of it versus somebody that has the experience, but just a piss poor attitude, it's not even a competition for me because experience can be learned as long as you have the right person in the right seat. And I think that's where most business owners get caught up. So for yeah. example, I, uh, I grew up playing soccer. That was my sport. Okay. And, uh, and I was a, a, a defender, a, a center mid defender. And that's where I thrived that that's where, where my role was. That's where I thrived. I did a phenomenal job there. You put me up at the striker or the forward position and asked me to try to score a goal. It, I looked like a horrible soccer player. And <laughs> not only did I suffer from, from that, but the, the team would as well. Yeah. But same thing, you take a striker and you put them in my position, then they struggle and they mm-hmm. don't look like that good of a, a, a player because their performance is poor or they're not, they're not playing to their strengths. When in reality, they could be the best player on the field. They're just in the wrong position. Yeah. So we look for the attitude. And then we also really try to identify that person's individual strengths and weaknesses. And there's mm-hmm. before I partner with anyone or bring them on the team, they take this personality assessment. So that we can more clearly identify, hey, is this the right person? Are they in the right seat? Is this a, a good move moving forward? And then we have a little trial period. There's sure. adjustment. So we'll take 30 to 90 days and and kind of work through kinks. And if things are still moving forward, then it's like, all right, let's go for it. And if not, then we make that break.
1: I gotcha, man. I love that. And the personality test, is that something you guys uh, created on your own? Or is that something that you guys uh, are like certified no. or doing?
0: Yeah, so this is uh, it's called the Clifton Strengths. Oh yeah, nice. strength strength finders. Yeah. So I've taken a handful of personality assessments, and I know there's a lot of ones, uh, a lot of other ones out there. This one though was the first time I took one, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is me!" Like yeah. this is this is like <laughs> I was reading through. It was 177 questions, and it spit out a 25 page report of me. And I was reading through the results, and I was like, "Okay, I knew this about myself, but I didn't know about." this about myself? How did this figure out this about me? And it was just based on how I was answering these questions. So phenomenal. And uh, and so we take everyone through that because Mm. we're able to identify their top strengths. And depending on the needs of the team, it's like, hey, would Eric be a good fit here? Or would he be better off on those strengths, maybe at the front lines doing investor Mm -hmm. relations or talking to potential investors and working leads while somebody who's very, Uh, organized and detailed might be better for the compliance and making sure uh, the uh, the regulatory compliance and things that are involved with what we do in real estate is in check.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. So good, dude. And I think going along the lines of personality tests and attitudes, like mindset is huge, I think, for anyone to be successful. Right. And and you talk about this thing, like what comes first, the mindset or the millions? Like, can you deep dive into that? Because I'd never looked at it that way before. And when I saw that, I was like, dude, that's such an important thing to look at.
0: When I when I jumped into real estate full time, I got blindsided. I got blindsided by what was required of me as an individual. Up to that point, and anyone, I mean most people working W2 jobs, you show up, you know what you got to do, you've got a checklist, especially in my case. I'd show up to the hospital and say, "Hey, here are your patients, here's a checklist. Just knock everything out." Yep. And it's not, I mean, it required some thinking and especially in, 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 uh, surprise situations. But when I jumped into business for myself, nobody was telling me what to do. And so I got blindsided by the lack of personal growth and development. And so for the first six months, I had to go through this big, uh, humbling and revealing experience of just realizing like, I, there's a lot that I don't know, And, uh, and it all started with mindset Mm -hmm. and just believing that I could do it. Even, even having that courage to leave my comfortable cush W2 job, certain income to jump into something unknown. That was probably one of the hardest things I I ever had to do. Unfortunately, my wife, absolutely incredible. She's not involved in the business directly, but always supportive from Mm -hmm. day one. And so when I talk about what comes first, the mindset or the 1000000s I think people that are newer to the space or want to get into business, it's easy to say, yeah, look at Eric, look at Dallin. They have a positive mindset because they, they got millions or they're a millionaire, right? Yeah. And I think you and I can easily say that that is not the case. And I I actually host a podcast called The Millionaire Mindset, yeah. Millionaire Mind, and it's we really focus on the journeys of these business owners and you realize that it's really their mind that they had in check first and then the money the financial gains that was a byproduct because of what they created with their mind yeah and i think that's a a, a notion a lot of people that are aren't in the space uh, fully comprehend or understand like if you're not in the right mindset there's no way you're going to get to where you need to get to
1: Yeah. Oh, it's so huge, man. You know, I had a conversation with Ed Milet on my show a while back. And, you know, one of the things he talks about is like, look, if you're not happy, poor, you're certainly not gonna be happy as a millionaire, right? Like, (laughs) you've got to have like the mindset of like getting through the grit. And then like, you'll, like you said, man, the money will come, but like stay in that positive attitude. And I think it's important to really start the day off with you know wins. I'm 44, so when I wake up each day, if I open my eyes, I go, "Oh man, thank you Jesus for another day to see and hug and hold my family like win number 1, right?" And then make the bed. There's two wins. So stacking those wins, having that positive mindset throughout the day, man, just massive. Um I love that you brought up your podcast because people need to listen to your show. This is such a great show, man. Um man, seriously so good. I love talking to other podcasters. It just because one, I think we're a different species and it's such a small world, right? Like podcast for me has been massive in relationships and partnerships and collaborations and all that fun stuff. But for you as a podcaster, why did you decide to start that thing? And what has been the biggest benefit for you having that podcast? Uh, to be honest, uh, I never wanted to do a podcast. I was
0: always that person that was like, Hey, that's, that's not me. I don't have, I don't have the radio voice. I'll, I'll never do it. I don't have anything of value to share. And, uh, and I, I remember having that conversation a few years back, and now here I am, uh, not even a year into it, and we're ranked in the top five percent globally on. based on 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 reviews and ratings, and and it's been an incredible journey. So I, I share that because I didn't want to do it, and here I am doing it, and, it, and that's again one of those mindset things. It was, sure, I was got out of my comfort zone and and moved forward with it. But one of the reasons that really inspired that I shared the sh- very briefly just the struggles I had transitioning into full-time entrepreneurship. Nobody mm-hmm. was telling me what to do anymore. And I think it's easy to look at successful business owners and be like, Oh, they got lucky. They were gifted. Uh, Down yeah. just shared his grandpa helped him get into his first deal. Right? Like, yes, I'm not, I'm not uh, discrediting those little wins and, and lucky things that happen, but most business owners, and when I say most, I'd say probably ninety-nine point eight point nine percent, are people that had a vision, saw an opportunity, and they made it happen, and they created mm-hmm. a team, and they made it happen. Very, very few people are just given opportunities. Yeah. So on our podcast, we really focus on business owners. And Now we've had business owners on there that have generated anywhere from a million dollars a year in revenue, upwards to a hundred million a year revenue and wow. these are people that if you walked by them on the street you would have no freaking clue no yeah. freaking clue because yeah. that's just the type of people that they are and they're some of the most generous people that are just willing to educate and serve and just help others in the space so the podcast a couple things it's helped me connect with incredible like-minded people once you get yeah. into the space of entrepreneurship you feel like your eyes get opened up and you, you're, you're introduced to this whole new world and two It's helped and inspired some of our listeners to actually go out and start their own businesses as well, because our format is like this. It's very casual, conversational. Just share with us your journey. And when these very, very successful business owners share their successes and what they went through and their heartache and trials and losing love, whatever it is that they went through, listeners can relate. Mm -hmm. They can relate and they say, okay, if that's what Dallin went through and i'm in the medical field maybe maybe i can do it as well and yeah. just being able to spark that little bit of hope and the idea and like the the why not why can't that be me has uh has been a really neat experience so it's helped Huge. me expand my network tremendously but also helped listeners just get out of their comfort zone a little bit and realize that hey
1: if i can do it you can do it yeah I mean, podcasting—it's such a like this intimate conversation where listeners get to kind of be ninjas and sneak in and listen to this conversation that we're having, right? right? And then yeah. hopefully, like and <laughs> like you know, it, like hopefully implement what they're listening to, and and yeah, man, it like you said, there's so much great stuff that comes out of podcasting. And I and I look at it with all of that stuff, but almost as a legacy thing for me. Like, I wish that I could go back three, four generations deep and hear my grandfather speak and tell me his story. I can't do that, but I sure as heck can do that for my future tribe, right? They can look yeah. back and you know, go, man, Grandpa Eric, he was a rock star. He did all the podcasts. Right? Like, get to hear my story from me directly. And, man, it's, the podcast is not only the business side, but it's a legacy thing for me, man. That's so huge. I um, love that. Man, you and I were both speaking at an event up here in Coeur d'Alene, March 7th through 10th, the Conscious Investor Growth Summit. I'm really excited about this. Julie, Holly, one of those people that was on my podcast i was on her podcast just opened up the opportunity for me to come speak i'm excited to hear you speak when you come up to speak like what are you going to be kind of sharing with the speak uh with the attendees there
0: yeah so there's uh the introduction of ai and technology into the Mm. the entrepreneur space has been absolutely incredible and and I, listen, I'm 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 not a tech guy. I'm a real estate guy. I'm very simple minded. I like putting my money where where I can I can touch it. I can see it. I like tangible assets. But I can't ignore all these tools that are yeah. coming into the space. And uh and so what what I'll actually be speaking on is really taking systematic approaches, but integrating automation into mm. our business. And now our business we're, we're real estate investors. We now operate a multi million dollar fund and we invest yeah. into large apartments. And so the people we work with are investors, people that trust us with their hard earned capital and we diversify it into apartments. Now these people are investing anywhere from 50,000 to $500,000 a pop. And so this isn't a, uh, put a little ad out on Facebook and somebody's going to invest 50,000 K like there's, (laughs) there's a different process to it. And so, which requires a lot of manual nurturing and touching and calls Mm -hmm. and emails and things like that. But what we realize is that the front end of that, I'll call it a funnel, right. Or that, that lead nurturing. Yep. A lot of that is just them uh, how do i put this uh like lurking right like right. we're all on yeah. social media we all lurk <laughs> right someone's <laughs> someone's going to hear me on this podcast and they're going to look on linkedin or instagram or facebook and they're going to lurk they're just going to yep. they're going to watch and they're going to observe and then once they feel like they've got to know me enough then they might reach out yeah and and i this has happened i've had friends from high school i haven't talked to in years and they're like hey <laughs> Dallin, i've been watching what you've been doing in real estate i'd love to jump on a call It's something I'm interested in as well. So so what I'm going to be talking about at the conference is how to really integrate a lot of this automation and stuff, not to replace that personal touch. Because my personal belief is that with where we're going with technology, where we're going with AI, the art of personal connection is going to be lost. Because Mm. people online, they're not going to know if it's an AI video of you and me doing this podcast, if it's even our voices doing it. Right. So this, this is my thoughts that a lot of business is going to start swinging the other way, meaning people are going to want to meet in person, shake yep. hands, do it the old school way. Now, with that being said, I still think there's a time and place for all this technology. Hmm. So I'm just going to be talking about how we've been able to integrate it into a portion of our business yeah. to accelerate and expedite the ability to then connect with these people more personally. Come on.
1: Oh, dude, that's so good. <laughs> so good. I'm excited for that, man. And, and yeah, AI is massive. I love to finish the show with a fun question. I'm a like, music guy. So i to ask the question, like what type of music do you like to listen to or what band is your favorite band?
0: <laughs> oh, what kind of music? Oh, gosh, I listen to a little bit of everything. It really depends on, on the type of mood I'm in. Okay, But uh, I, I got to go back to my the, the, the punk rock music that I was always big into some forty (laughs) one and oh dude so good some green day and uh uh, like four years strong. That those that's like my go-to music when I'm just when I'm vibing, I'm in a good mood, when I'm working out, exercising, uh when I'm just looking to to decompress. So
1: so good man. I I love the the punk music is for me, man. And like when my wife and I got married, I said you can do anything in the wedding. Don't give me pink and we're going to walk out to MXPX. And that was the only two requests I had. And so when they announced us, they, we, we had the uh, last day the, or first day of the rest of our lives playing, like just rocked out the whole church. Everyone, all the grandmas are like, what the heck's going on? But I was like, those are the only two requests I have. You can do anything else you want.
0: Like, <laughs> I love
1: it. <laughs> that was awesome. Damn Dude, Dylan, this was such a great conversation, man. You're an absolute world changer, man. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day, man. Looking forward to meeting you in just a few months. And uh, man, thank you again for what you do. Likewise, Eric. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate it. I hope that my guest was able to bring you some amazing wisdom and knowledge to help you continue to fight for your goals, your dreams, and your purpose. If you could do me one big favor and just hit that subscribe button, I would so appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Keep changing the world. I believe in you. Have an amazing day.